Good morning. I just want to thank you so much uh, for your prayers and so many of your encouragement, you know, as I was ruthlessly and bullied into doing an, uh, a half Ironman, got a chance to finish cross, even if I was cramping, got a chance to finish with Kenny and Jeremy, and, and uh, it was great, absolutely a great time. Thank you, you know, uh, for that. Now, uh, in this picture that you see uh, behind me, you might be wondering, well, Dan, I thought it was with you, Jeremy, and Kenny. Where is Jeremy? Well... He was so fast, he finished, he'd eaten lunch, he showered, and he had a wedding to go to by the time I was done, so, so he wasn't able to make the picture, you know, post-race, post but that's, that's Jeremy. Uh, last week, you know, uh, Adam, you know, uh, spoke, you know, we'll call him the marmot man himself, uh, in case uh, those of you guys are like, what is Dan talking about? You definitely have to hear Adam's message last week. He did such a great job. Can we just praise God for Adam? He did such a great job last week. What a great illustration of the different marmots that we have in our, li- our lives as well. Now, Adam um, also decided, you know, uh, because he gets this opportunity to make fun of me. Uh, last week, he made fun of my free throw shooting ability. But uh, in case you weren't here, he said I could only make like three out of ten free throws and like that. But just like the fake news world that we live in, he did not have any physical evidence, you know, of that. Now, many of you are not aware that actually Adam made it to the NBA, and uh, I have a clip, uh, you know, of Adam on the Charlotte Hornets uh, shooting a free throw, so you can see how well he shoots. So go ahead and let's take a look at this. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Adam. Oh. Oh, that's, an, that's see it again. Oh, that's... That's embarrassing. You know, Adam, I'm just sorry. I keep telling our staff, you do understand when you hit me, I hit back twice as hard. I'm like the mafia, you know, when it comes to stuff like that. All fun and games, you know. Uh, I do want to welcome you uh, to this new series called Real Life at the Movies. And, and some of you might be wondering, because you've been in church for a while, why movies? Why in the world, you know, are we movies? Now, first of all, let me just let you know, we're not preaching movies. Movies are modern-day parables, Now, Jesus, the Bible tells us, often taught in parables. That word parable means stories. He would tell stories that were common to the people that they're aware of. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have some fun over these next few weeks, and we're going to look at three different movies that are parables and illustrations of what the truth that we find out from God's word. And the reason I want to do this is because we need to have a little bit of fun. Our society, there's a lot of doubt. We've just gotten done with even internally as a church, this idea of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to go into another very challenging series after this one as well. So we like, you know what? Let's have a little fun in church. And so you're kind of seeing some of that as well. So just kind of bear with us as we walk through this for some of you who might find this uncomfortable. Now, let me also tell you personally why I like this kind of series. When I was 17 years of age, you know, I went to a movie called Schindler's List. I just dated myself, but how many of you guys have seen Schindler's List? Okay, uh, that movie wrecked me. And uh, as I was watching as a 17-year-old, you get to the end of the movie, Oscar Schindler is put in a situation where he has a choice to make about what he's going to do with the Jews, you know, who are, who are being exterminated by the Nazis, you know, uh, during in, in the midst of World War II. And so he decides to employ them and then does whatever he can to protect them. You get to the end of the movie, and all of a sudden he is overcome with emotion, realizing, wait a minute, I cannot believe how many have been saved, but I also feel guilty that I could have saved one more. If I'd have sold this car, I could have saved five more. If I sold this pen, I could have saved one more. I wasted so much resource in my life. How many people could I have been used to save? 
And it was that moment that as a 17-year-old young man, I started to bawl in the theater. And it wasn't just because of what I was witnessing on the screen. It was because the Holy Spirit was, was speaking to my heart at that moment. And where God was literally, I felt like he was telling me into the heart of my chest and into my mind that I am calling you to partner with me to help reach people for me. And as a 17-year-old, it changed the whole trajectory of my life. And afterwards, I thought about it. I'm like, this is weird. I'm not in a church service and God is speaking to me. I'm not in a quiet time and opening the Bible. I'm in a movie theater, and all of a sudden, I feel like the Spirit is calling me to partner with him so at the end of my life, I can look and say, God, I tried to do my best to be used by you in the lives of others so that they might come to you and know Jesus as Lord and Savior for all eternity. And that, that really was part of the reason why that I'm here today. Now, obviously, it has to be substantiated by God's word, and there has to be, you know, conferred by other people as well. But that was just one of the ways that the Holy Spirit spoke to me since we just got done with the series on the Holy Spirit when I was a young man. So this is one of the reasons why we're, we're going through this movie series. I hope this makes sense. So with this today, you know, I want to, you to process. Remember a time when you didn't feel like you fit in? Uh, uh, maybe felt out of place just a little bit? Or on the opposite side, uh, you pretended like nothing was wrong. On the outside, everybody just looked at your life assuming they've got it all together. But just under the surface, you knew something was a little bit different. Welcome to the movie Encanto. Now, how many of you guys have seen the movie Encanto? Okay, you know, some of you guys are already singing the songs. Many of you have seen this. This movie is based on a Colombian family called the Madrigals. Now, this movie has personal meaning to me and my family because my wife was born in Colombia. My daughter is Colombian and my boys are half Colombian. I'm the only one that doesn't fit in, you know, in terms of my own family when it comes to the Colombian background. But I did identify with some of the characters and some of the situations that they have gone through. Now, as the movie opens, we learn that this family's bond was formed out of a deep moment of sadness and grief. Yet, in that moment of darkness, the family received a gift. Their home was enchanted, and when each child came of age, they received a supernatural special gift. Now, they use these gifts, don't miss this, to protect and provide for the community in which they love. That is the responsibility of the gift that they've received. Received. This is no ordinary family, and they certainly do not have an ordinary story, but as we're about to see... When everything looks perfect on the outside, there's often a different story happening just below the surface. So as part of this illustration, it's time to meet the Madrigal family. Let's go! This is our home, we've got every generation. 
Coffee's for grown-ups. Might be a pepper from mood affects the weather. When she's unhappy, well, the temperature gets weird. Might be a Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. They say he saw the future. One day he disappeared. Oh, and that's why mom Lieta hears her deal. Whoa, the truth is she can heal you with a meal. Whoa, the recipe is our remedies for real. If you're impressed, imagine how I feel, mom. The family, Madrigal. Leo, Felix, Mary, Beba, and my dad married Julieta, the tall bulldog who came in. Abuela, Madrigal, let's go, let's go. We swear to always help those around us and earn the miracle that somehow found us. The town keeps growing, the world keeps turning, but work and dedication will keep the miracle burning. And each new generation must keep the miracle burning. There's so many people. How do you keep them all straight? Okay, 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 okay. So many kids in our house. So let's turn the sound up. You know why? I think it's time for a grandkids round of grandkids round up. Cousin Dolores can hear a pin drop. Camilo shakes chips. Antonio gets his gift today. My older sisters, Isabella and Luisa. One strong, one graceful, perfect in every way.
Oh, Mirabel didn't get one. You didn't get a gift? D um... Delivery! All right. What a family. In case you weren't taking notes, here's the rundown. Abuela has one daughter whose mood affects the weather, another daughter whose cooking can heal wounds, a son that no one talks about. She has granddaughters with super strength, super hearing, and just all about being super. She has a grandson who can shapeshift and another who can talk to animals. What in the world does that have to do with us? All of us have been given gifts and talents by God. All of us have. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, we are God's masterpiece. This, this idea, that Greek word for masterpiece is poema. Like we are God's poem that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he has planned for us long ago. And just like the Madrigal family, our gifts are not just for ourselves, but they're to be used to benefit the family and the community in which we live. Otherwise, we miss the importance of the gift. In fact, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when we were told that when we come into the family, the family of God, we are given what's called a spiritual gift. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. So you have been given talents and gifts while you were created, but when you come into the family of God, God's special family, by receiving a son, you've been given also a spiritual gift. Now you may notice, you know, as that scene ends at the very beginning, that Mirabelle didn't get a special gift, and yet she's still part of the family Madrigal. At this point, no one knows why, but it sure makes things awkward for her as well as other people, and some of you relate to that very deeply. What I mean is that you know what it feels like to be left out. You know what it feels like, you know, to not fit in in your own family, maybe at your school, maybe at your work, you know, maybe you don't fit in on the team or, or in your neighborhood, and you wonder what part are you supposed to play in this thing called life? See, we all want to belong, and when we don't feel like we belong, it starts changing us from the inside out. And so let's take a look again at Mirabelle, who now comes to grips with this idea of maybe I've been putting on a front and I am not feeling like I really connect to this family. Let's hear from her now. at all Don't feel regret or sad at all Hey, I'm still a part of the family Madrigal and I'm fine, I am totally fine I will stand on the side as you shine I'm not fine I'm not fine I can't
Mirabelle finally cracks. She finally admits that she's not fine. Do you notice what she is doing? She is looking at all the other gifts that other people received in her family, and she says, I can't do any of those things. You ever done that? You ever looked at someone else and been like, why am I not as smart as that person? Why am I not as pretty as that person? Why am I not as successful as that person? And instead of recognizing the gifts and the talents and the spiritual gifts that God has given you, we have a tendency to look at other people. See, one of the most least helpful human behaviors we've all adopted to one degree or another is the temptation to pretend, you know, to fake it till we make it, to put up a front so no one really knows what's going on deep inside. See, here's the truth that I want to remind you this morning. We belong to a family not based on gifts, but because of the greatest gift. We belong to the family. We are part of the family of God, not because... We actually have this amazing gift, but because of the greatest gift allows us entrance into the family. See, Jesus went to the cross so that we could belong to the family of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you and I have been saved. Then it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you and I can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Your good things are not to be more important, and it does not connect you and I to God. It's only by what Christ has done for us that allows us to accept that gift, thus entering into God's family. John chapter 1 verse 12 says it this way, To all who believed Jesus and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You then become part of an imperfect but awesome family in Christ with brothers and sisters in him. You are loved because you exist That's why you are loved. For God God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And then to get into the family, all you have to do is receive and follow the gift, which is Jesus Christ. Now, speaking of gifts, uh, Mirabelle wished she had what everybody else possessed, as I mentioned. She wasn't seeing the whole picture. See, having a super ability isn't all it's cracked up to be. In fact, we see this on a regular basis through our social media. It's one of the worst things that's been developed because you and I get a chance to look at other people's highlight reels, right? You didn't see the 20 minutes it took for that family to get the kids to behave and stop crying in order to get that perfect picture. You didn't see the fights, you know, that took place between husband and wife before you saw this romantic experience, you know, that was on the beach with the sun setting behind them. You didn't see the debt that it took for that family to go on that three-day vacation that they're now suffering for, and you're looking at it going, man, they have the life. Actually, they're really suffering because they got to show you the two or three days of the amazing experience that they had. We see all the positives, and then we look at ourselves and we see so many of the reality or the negatives in life and we wonder how come I'm not experiencing life like those people. Those people don't exist, okay? They don't. You know what you didn't see? You're like all clapping for me on that Iron Man. It sucked, okay? I'm smiling because it's over, right? 
There were four miles. I had cramps in my legs and I'm just barely hobbling. I couldn't walk. It was so embarrassing because people at the end are like, you got this guy, you can make it. And I'm like, I literally can't move, but thank you for your encouragement. Now go along, you know? And so this is how the reality is. You're like, oh, that was amazing what you did. I'm like, no, it was painful. And that was great to get done with it. And there's some excitement along those lines. But what we find out Amongst all of us, if we're going to be real, is there's always something under the surface, under our perfect images, even the perfect smiles that we come into this place called church. And one of the most powerful illustrations of this takes place when Mirabelle talks to her sister, Louisa, who finally admits that there's a little pressure that she's feeling under the surface. Let's check out Louisa's story now. The donkey's got out again. On it! Lisa! Huh? Wait a second! You gotta tell me about the magic. What's going on? What are you hiding? Nothing. Just got a lot of chores, so maybe you should just go home. Lisa, my house is leaning to the... Oh. Dolores said your eye was twitching. And it never twitches. Something's making you nervous. Hey, move! You're gonna make me drop a donkey. <laughs> Luisa, will you just... Just tell me what it is. There's nothing to tell. You're obviously worried about something. Lisa, if you know what's hurting the magic and it gets worse because you won't tell me what's wrong. Nothing's wrong! Wow, uh, sorry. That, uh, that snuck out there. What I meant was, um, why would anything be wrong? I'm totally fine. The magic's fine. Luisa's fine. I'm totally not nervous. Your eyes. Doing the thing. I'm the strong one. I'm not nervous. I'm as tough as the crust of the earth is. Okay. I move mountains. I move churches. And I glow because I know what my worth is. Of course. I mean, hey, where are you going? I don't ask how hard the work is. Got a rough and destructible surface. Diamonds and platinum. I find I'm platinum. I take what I'm handed. I break what's demanded. But under the surface, I feel berserk as a tightrope walker in a three ring circus. Under the surface, was Hercules ever like, yo, I don't wanna fight service? Under the surface, I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can be of service. Expectations would that free so 
Louisa felt pressure for needing to be strong for her whole family all the time. And it was more than just not wanting to let people down. She felt her worth as a person was defined solely by what she accomplished. And I wonder, have you ever felt like me, like Louisa? See, we feel the pressure to perform in order to belong. And we have felt that in our lives, whether you felt that in the family growing up, where you, if you performed, your parents actually approved of you. And if you didn't, then there was a disapproval that took place, which created a performance mentality upon growing up. Have you felt that pressure at your work? Have you felt that pressure in other relationships on a regular basis? So maybe you don't feel like Mirabelle, you know, but you definitely know what Louisa feels like. You know what it feels like to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I wonder if you heard the question that she asked, who am I if I don't have what it takes? If I can't perform or achieve, if I can't get the grades, if I can't make the team, if I can't get the raise, if I can't get the girl, do I really have any value? See, you and I live in a very performance-oriented world that we can be convinced that the most important thing about me is what I do. Have you felt that way? What can I achieve at school? What can I make it work? How can I take care of all the people that I'm supposed to take care of in my home? That, that proves my ultimate worth and value. And if for some reason I can no longer do what I've always done, then what do I really have to offer, which means what is my value to this place? You see this oftentimes as, as people you know, go and they get to the age of retirement and all of a sudden you retire, you look around and you're like, what is my value now? What is my worth? See, I think about this, you know, uh, as so many, it hits, hits me deeply because I grew up with a perfectionist father that uh, unknowingly at times, it felt like I had to behave a certain way in order to belong or to connect. I felt this way, you know, even growing up, it's like, am I a good enough father? Am I a good enough husband? You know, am I doing all the things that I should to think that if I do all the right things, then I will belong? Or even better yet, for me, or worse yet, you know, as a pastor, what if I wasn't your pastor anymore? What would my relationships look like? What would my value be? What would my impact be in the lives of others? It's so easy for us to get caught up into the performance trap, and yet I want you to hear this. That is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. In fact, we go so far that we actually treat God, our Father, the same way, that if we behave the right way, then God will like us, even approve of us, and if we don't behave the right way, then he looks down and he's angry or sad or even that dreaded word, disappointed in us. And so we keep an internal spiritual scoreboard that tells us how we're doing. This is essential to understand because it's not the good news of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, for no one could ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. So the whole point of the Old Testament laws was to show you and I that we can't do it 
None of us can, which is why we need a savior beyond us. Oh, some people might do more than other people. And we think in our society, if I do some good works, God will accept me. And so the whole point is, no, 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 no. We, none of us can do it, which is why we need a savior. We are made right with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. It is literally impossible to earn our way into God's favor. And you might think, well, man, that just reinforces my not being able to accept or belong even to God. No, what that reinforces is you and I both need Jesus. And because we don't have to do anything to earn that, that he's already done that, we accept that and we are in God's family. That's the good news of the gospel. It says we didn't have to. God in his perfect love for us sent Jesus to do what we could not. God lived, Jesus lived the perfect life because we could not. Jesus paid the price for our sins that we could not. Jesus defeated our ultimate enemy, death and the devil, because we could not. So the good news is the most important thing about me is what Jesus did for me. That's an amen, by the way. That puts us on solid ground as part of the family of God, not based on a performance does not mean that we belong. We belong because of what he's done. So no longer do I have to live under the crushing weight of being perfect. I can live in the freedom that comes for those who follow and receive God's grace. And out of that grace, we then live and strive for perfection in the way that God sees us through his son, Jesus Christ. See, Mirabel is now getting the sense that her family is not so perfect after all. And neither is yours and neither is mine. And the ultimate example of her family's dysfunction comes from her uncle. Yep, it's time to talk about Bruno. Let's watch this now. Tia Peppa, if Bruno, if he had a vision about someone, what would it mean? We that? don't talk about Bruno. I know, it's just hypothetically. If he saw you. Mirabel, please. We need to get ready for the Guzmans. I just want to know if it was generally positive or less positive. It was a nightmare. Felix. Hey, she needs to know, baby. She needs to know. Don't talk about Bruno. He would see something terrible. And then, crack. <laughs> Boom. It would happen. We don't talk about Bruno. What if you didn't understand what he saw? Then you better figure it out because it was coming for you. We don't talk about Bruno. Bruno says it looks like rain. Where's the umbrella? In doing so, he floods my brain. I would like to see the umbrella. Buried in a hurricane. What a joy to stay, but anyway, we don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. Brutal love and fear, Bruno stuttering or stumbling. I can always hear him sort of muttering and mumbling. I associate him with the sound. 
next day. jacked up family, man. (laughs) See, Bruno's gift empowered him to tell people about their futures. He was telling them the truth, and sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the bad things. In fact, if you study the Bible, you'll notice that the prophets of the Old Testament were not warmly received by the people of Israel. Every time they came and proclaimed truth to them, even if it was truth that would help them if they would turn or change, that these things would happen unless they actually listened to the voice of God. They chose to to reject the messenger instead of choosing to receive the message. And I wonder, have you ever told someone the truth, even in love, but they still blamed you for it, as if you were the cause of that, but you just did it as a love, as part of the family? See, as part of the family, we are called in love to provide truth and perspective to one another as we imperfectly follow Jesus together. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We wouldn't have to bear with one another if we weren't all difficult people. And all of us are at one time or another. Truly loving someone means choosing empathy over judgment. It means being patient with people while they're in progress. It means being humble enough to know that we'll need or have needed someone to do the same for us on that same journey. This is the foundation on which we build our lives in Christ. It's not up to us to be perfect. It's not up to us to figure it all out. In fact, if we could be perfect, then Christ died for nothing. Instead, our job is to live in the perfect freedom that is found in Jesus alone. And we become perfect because of the way God sees us in Christ. And as we go on a journey together, the Bible calls it sanctification, we'll become more and more like Jesus as we do this together 
in community, in broken relationships, in weakness, and in, in our sinful nature because you and I have a Savior and we make him our Lord. Now, toward the end of the movie, Maribel realizes that the true miracle is not in the extraordinary gifts that her family has, but rather the ordinary ways in which they can show each other how they love, how they care for, support one another, as well as their community. She realizes, as my hope is that we do too, that the miracle she's learning, yearning for has actually been there the entire time. I want you to know you belong. You have been given talents and gifts by God. When you receive Christ, you get an additional spiritual gift as we get to serve and love one another in this family of God. I hope that you'll walk away today knowing that you, first of all, are invited to be part of the family of God based on what Jesus did, not based on your performance or good works. That our life is a response to what Jesus has done on our behalf and his response allows us to belong to God's family where we can use our gifts to build one another up and to serve and love the world around us. May the world know and love the people who attend Valley Real Life in the same way or even better than the Madrigal family in Encanto. For we are the family of God. And what an opportunity to show the special gifts that we've received that only come on behalf of Jesus Christ to love and serve imperfectly. Let's take the veneer away and be real before God and others on this journey of faith. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to serve, love, and to connect with you. And I pray that you would just lead us right now. And if there's someone in this room who has not yet decided to be part of the family of God, that this would be that opportunity. And if that's you, I pray that you'll pray this prayer, Jesus, I need you. I pretend that I have it together, but I know that I need you. And so I receive you as my savior, knowing you died on the cross for my sins and help me to make you Lord, the boss, the leader of my life. Father, I pray that all of us, you know, in this room would recognize that we need you, that we can be real with one another in transparency on this journey to become more like you and thus serve our community and world with the gifts that we have been given. And Father, when we feel the pressure under the surface, may we bring that to you and others. And Father, may we speak the truth in love with you at the center. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.